Volume 2, Chapter 12 of the Autobiography of Madame Kion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. I had at that time so ardent a desire for the perfection of Father Lacombe and to see him thoroughly die to himself that I could have wished him all the crosses and afflictions imaginable that might conduce to this great and blessed end. Whenever he was unfaithful or looked at things in any other light than the true one to tend to this death of self, I felt myself on the rack, which, as I had till then been so indifferent, very much surprised me. To the Lord I made my complaint. He graciously encouraged me, both on this subject and on that entire dependence on himself which he gave me, which was such that I was like a newborn infant. My sister had brought me a maid whom God was willing to give me to fashion according to his will, not without some crucifixion to myself. I believe it never is to fall out that our Lord will give me any persons without giving them wherewith to make me suffer whether it be for the purpose of drawing them into a spiritual life or never to leave me without the cross. She was one on whom the Lord had conferred very singular graces. She was in high reputation of the country where she passed for a saint. Our Lord brought her to me to let her see the difference between the sanctity conceived and comprised in those gifts with which she was endowed and that which is obtained by our entire destruction even by the loss of those very gifts and of all that raised us in the esteem of men our lord had given her the same dependence on me as i had in regard to father lacombe this girl fell grievously sick. I was willing to give her all the assistance in my power, but I found I had nothing to do but to command her bodily sickness, all the disposition of her mind. All that I said was done. It was then that I learned what it was to command by the word and to obey by the word. It was Jesus Christ in me, equally commanding and obeying. She, however, continued sick for some time. One day after dinner, I was moved to say to her, Rise, and be no longer sick. She arose and was cured. The nuns were very much astonished. They knew nothing of what had passed, but saw her walking, who in the morning had appeared to be in the last extremity. They attributed her disorder to a vivid imagination. 
I had at sundry times experienced, and felt in myself how much God respects the freedom of men, even demands his free concurrence, for when I said, Be healed, or be free from your troubles, if such persons acquiescence, the word was efficacious, and they were healed, if they doubted or resisted, though under fair pretext, saying, I shall be healed when it pleases God, I will not be healed till he willest, or in the way of despair, I cannot be healed, I will not quit my condition. Then the word had no effect. I felt in myself that the divine virtue retired in me. I experienced what our Lord said when the woman afflicted with the issue of blood touched him. He instantly asked, Who touched me? The apostle said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou who touched me he replied it is because virtue had gone out of me luke eight forty five forty six jesus christ had caused that healing virtue to flow through me by means of his word when that virtue met not with the correspondence in the subject i felt it suspended in its source that gave me some pain i should be as it were displeased with those persons but when there was no resistance but a full acquiescence this divine virtue had its full effect healing virtue has so much power over things inanimate yet the least thing in man either restrains it or stops it entirely there was a good nun much afflicted and under a violent temptation she went to declare her case to a sister whom she thought very spiritual and in a condition capable of assisting her but far from finding succor she was very much discouraged and cast down the other despised and repulsed her, and treating her with contempt and rigor, she said, Don't come near me, since you are that way. This poor girl, in a frightful distress, came to me, thinking herself undone on account of what the sister had said to her. I consoled her, and our Lord relieved her immediately, but I could not forbear telling her that assuredly the other would be punished and would fall into a state worse than hers. The sister, who had used her in such a manner, came also to me, highly pleased with herself in what she had done, saying she abhorred such tempted creatures as for herself she was proved against such sorts of temptations and she never had a bad thought i said to her 
my sister, from the friendship I have for you, I wish you the pain of her who spoke to you, and even one still more violent. She answered haughtily, If you were to ask it from God for me, and I ask of him the contrary, I believe I shall be heard at least as soon as you. I answer with great firmness. If it be only my own interest which I ask, I shall not be heard. But if it be those of God only and yours too, I shall be heard sooner than you are aware. That very night she fell into so violent a temptation that one equal to it has seldom been known. It was then that she had ample occasion to acknowledge her own weakness and that she would be without grace. She conceived at first a violent hatred for me, saying that I was the cause of her pain. But it served her as the clay did to enlighten him who had been born blind. She soon saw very well what had brought on her so terrible a state. I fell sick even to extremity. This sickness proved a means to cover the great mysteries which it pleased God to operate in me. Scarce ever was a disorder more extraordinary or of longer continuance in its excess. Several times I saw in dreams Father Lamont raising persecutions against me. Our Lord let me know that this will be and that Father Lacombe would forsake me in the time of persecution. I wrote to him, and it disquieted him greatly. He thought his heart was united to the will of God, and too desirous of serving me to admit such desertion. Yet it has since been found quite true. He was now to preach during Lent, and was so much followed that people came five leagues to pass several days for the benefit of his ministry. I heard he was so sick that he was thought to die. I prayed to the Lord to restore his health and enable him to preach to the people who were longing to hear him. My prayer was heard, and he soon recovered and resumed his pious labors. During this extraordinary sickness, which continued more than six months, the Lord gradually taught me that there was another manner of conversing among souls wholly his than by speech. Thou madest me conceive, O divine word, that as thou art ever speaking and operating in a soul, Though therein thou appearest in profound silence, so there was also a way of communication in thy creatures, in an ineffable silence. I heard then a language which before had been unknown to me. I gradually perceived, when Father Lacombe entered, 
that I could speak no more. There was formed in my soul the same kind of silence toward him as was formed in it in regard to God. I comprehended that God was willing to show me that men might in this life learn the language of angels. I was gradually reduced to speak to him only in silence. It was then that we understood each other in God after a manner unutterable and divine. Our hearts spoke to each other, communicating a grace which no words can express. It was like a new country, both for him and for me, but so divine that I cannot describe it. At first this was done in a manner so perceptible, that is to say, God penetrated us with himself in a manner so pure and so sweet, that we passed hours in this profound silence, always communicative, without being able to utter one word. It was in this that we learned, by our own experience, the operations of the heavenly word to reduce souls into unity with itself, and what purity one may arrive at in this life. It was given me to communicate this way to other good souls, but with this difference. I did nothing but communicate to them the grace with which they were filled, while near me in this sacred silence, which infused into them an extraordinary strength and grace, but I received nothing from them. Whereas, with Father Lacombe, there was a flow and a return of communication of grace, which he received from me and I from him in the greatest purity. In this long malady, the love of God and of him alone made up my whole occupation. I seemed so entirely lost to him as to have no sight of myself at all. It seemed as if my heart never came out of that divine ocean, having been drawn into it through deep humiliations. Oh, happy loss, which is the communication of bliss, though operated through crosses and through deaths. Jesus was then living in me, and I lived no more. These words were imprinted in me as a real state into which I must enter. The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Matthew 8, verse 20 This I have since experienced in all its extent, having no sure abode, no refuge among friends, 
who were ashamed of me and openly renounced me when universally decried nor among my relations most of whom declared themselves my adversaries and were my greatest persecutors while others looked on me with contempt and indignation i might as david say for thy sake i have borne reproach shame hath covered my face i am become a stranger to my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children a reproach to men and despised of the people he showed me all the world in a rage against me without any one daring to appear for me and assure me in the ineffable silence of his eternal word that he will give me vast numbers of children which i should bring forth by the cross i left it to him to do with me whatever he pleased esteeming my whole and sole interest to be placed entirely in his divine will he gave me to see how the devil was going to stir up an outrageous persecution against prayer yet it should prove the source of the same prayer or rather the means which god will make use of to establish it he gave me to see father how he will guide me into the wilderness where he will cause me to be nourished for a time the wings which were to bear me thither were the resignation of my whole self to his holy will i think i am at present in that wilderness separated from the whole world in my imprisonment i see already accomplished in part what was then shown me can i ever express the mercies which my god has bestowed on me no they must ever remain in himself being of a nature not to be described by reason of their purity and immensity i was often to all appearance at the point of death i fell into convulsions from violent pains which lasted a long time father lacombe administered the sacrament to me the prioress of the excellence having desired him to do it i was well satisfied to die as was he also in the expectation of my departure for being united in god after a manner so pure and so spiritual death could not separate us on the contrary it will have more closely unite us father lacombe who was on his knees at my bedside remarking the change of my countenance and how my eyes faded seemed ready to give me up when god inspired him to lift up his hands and with a strong voice which was heard by all who were in my room at that time almost full to command death to relinquish its hold instantly it seemed to be stopped 
Thus God was pleased wonderfully to raise me up again. Yet for a long time I continued extremely weak, during all of which our Lord gave me new testimonies of His love. How many times was He pleased to make use of His servant to restore me to life, when I was almost on the very point of expiring. As they saw that my sickness and pain did not entirely end, they judged that the air of the lake on which the convent was situated was very prejudicial to my constitution. They concluded that it would be necessary for me to remove. During my disposition, our Lord put it into the heart of Father Lacombe to establish a hospital in this place for the poor people seized with maladies, to institute also in a committee or congregation of ladies to furnish such as could not leave their families to go to the hospital with the means of subsistence during their illness after the manner of France. There have been yet no institution of this kind in that country. Willingly did I enter into it, and without any other fund than providence, and some useless rooms which a gentleman of the town gave us, we began it. We dedicated to the holy child Jesus, and he was pleased to give the first beds to it from my pension. He gave us such a blessing that several other persons joined us in this charity. In a short time there were nearly twelve beds in it, and three persons of great piety gave themselves to this hospital to serve it, who, without any salary, consecrated themselves to the service of the poor patients. I supplied them with ointments and medicines, which were freely given to such of the poor people of the town as had need of them. These good ladies were so hearty in the cause, that through their charity and the care of the young women, this hospital was very well maintained and served. These ladies joined together also in providing for the sick who could not go to the hospital. I gave them some little regulations, such as I had observed when in France, which they continued to keep up with tenderness and love. All these little things, which cost but little, and which own all their success to the blessing which God gave them, drew upon us new persecutions. The bishop of Geneva was offended with me more than ever, especially in seeing that these small matters rendered me beloved. He said that I won over everybody. He openly declared that he could not bear me in his diocese, though I had done nothing but good, or rather God by me. He extended the persecution to those good religious women who had been my assistants. The prioress in particular had her own share to bear, though it did not last long. As I was obliged 
on account of the air to remove, after having been there about two years and a half, they were then more in peace and quietness. On another side, my sister was very weary of this house, and as the season for the waters approached, they took occasion from thence to send her away with the maid whom I brought with me, who had molested me exceedingly in my late illness. I only kept her whom Providence had sent me by means of my sister. I have ever thought that God had ordered my sister's journey only to bring her to me as one chosen of him and proper for the state which it was his pleasure to cause me to bear. While I was yet indisposed, the Ursulines, with the Bishop of Versailles, earnestly requested the Father General of the Barnabites to seek among the religious a man of merit, piety, and learning, in whom he might place confidence, and who might serve him for a prebend and a counselor. At first he cast his eyes on Father Lacombe, yet before he absolutely engaged him with the said bishop he wrote to him to know whether he had any objection thereto father lacombe replied that he had no other will but that of obeying him that he might command him herein as he should think best in the case he gave me an account of this and that we were going to be entirely separated. I was glad to find that our Lord would employ him under a bishop who knew him, and would be likely to do him justice. Yet it was some time before he went, matters not being all arranged. End of chapter 12 Athens, Greece, March of 2009